Welcome to the number 10 podcast, where we talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. I'm your host, Logan Aiden. Usually on Saturdays, we talk about the 10 most important storylines from the past week in American soccer. But in honor of the end of 2020, we're going to be doing something a little different today. On today's episode, I'm joined by Abigail Gherkin, the head of women's soccer coverage for Switch the Pitch. We talk about the United States women's national team, what 2020 meant for the squad, and we look ahead to 2021 for the team. I'm now joined by Abigail Gherkin of Switch the Pitch. How are you doing today, Abigail? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Very excited to talk to you today. So I would love for you to just kind of share with the audience about like what Switch the Pitch is and what the goals are of the publication. Yeah, so I've been involved with the organization Switch the Pitch for the past three years. We are a fully female-owned and operated uh, soccer blog covering mostly MLS. And on the staff, I am the head NWSL and U.S. soccer writer. So I offer basically all of the insight for women's soccer and, you know, trying to grow the fan base and expand from MLS fans to introduce them to women's soccer. And our goal at Switch the Pitch, it's in our name, is to, we feel like traditional sports media isn't meeting the needs of female fans. And we want to try to switch the pitch like you would do in soccer if something's not working and really give a voice for female fans and a new perspective on the sport. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. And it's really important. And I'm really happy to have you on the show today to talk about the U.S. women's national team and just what 2020 meant for the team. And I think that while there wasn't a lot of games that happened, that a lot of stuff did happen. So I think let's just get right into it. So it started out at the beginning of the year with them qualifying for the Olympics and then them winning the She Believes Cup right before the everything kind of shut down because of COVID. So what kind of can people take out from those games that happened, it feels like years ago? I know it, like when I was looking back on my notes from those games, it felt like it was so long ago. Um, I think that one major takeaway is that this team isn't going anywhere. Um, They have built such an amazing program and have endless amount of depth that they're going to be set for a long time. And as we can see, they dominated the She Believes Cup and flew through Olympic qualifying and then took eight months off from even being as a team and then still beat the Netherlands, um, which is probably their closest their closest competition with um, in terms of talent on the field. And so I feel like these athletes are insanely talented and this team is just so dominant that it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think that that's something that was really shown through like that start of the year. And then I think just like taking that time off, like you said, and then going into the Netherlands match and them still managing to get a 2-0 victory and while they did win 2-0 it felt like while watching the game it felt like they were so they were capable of more so I'd love to just like hear about what are some key takeaways we can take away from that Netherlands match besides just they were off for so long and they still performed yeah of course um I think that when I was watching the match I noticed that it took a little bit longer than normal to get into their usual 
style of play, very high press, high tempo. Um, but they were always the better side. They managed their mistakes well. They capitalized on the Netherlands' mistakes. And they really pinned in the Dutch's defending half. And even though they kind of – it was similar to the U.S. Um, men's national team versus Wales game. They had a lot of buildup and great opportunities but lacked the final touch, which, it, I mean, it's normal and honestly acceptable for eight months off. Um, and Rose Lavelle scored an amazing goal. Alex Morgan made her first appearance um, since becoming a mother. And Christy Mewis, um, Samantha Mewis's older sister, she got her first cap in six years. She's honestly, this is the year the Mewis, as the um, as the U.S. women's national team fans are calling it. Um, Christy Mewis had an amazing NWSL season. She tore her ACL in 2018, so she's been working on recovering. And in her first cap in six years, she got her for, or her second goal um, in her international career. And it was just something really special, and it's it may it was the highlight of 2020 for U.S. fans. Definitely, I think that it was very cool to see the emergence of Christy Mewis. I think as someone who follows the women's national team and is just really starting to get into the NWSL, seeing her like in the Challenge Cup and then emerge in the national team was something really cool to see, and. So speaking of Christy Mewis and her emergence this year, what other players have we seen really um, burst onto the scene with the national team that like made their mark in 2020? Um, I think one of kind of the more, the younger players that made their break onto the national team this year, um, Sophia Smith and Jalen Howell. Um, in the last game against the Netherlands, they got their first international caps. And I think those two players are very special. And I think they are going to be a core of the national team for years to come. And it was really cool to see because they are actually the first players born after the 1999 World Cup to have a cap with the national team, which is really cool because as someone who is really interested in the history of the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, that 1999 Home World Cup was the most iconic, most pivotal event. Like, if I can look back on the history of women's soccer in this country, that was the pivot point where it's like, yes, this is legit. The team is dominant. The culture is here. And it was really cool to see, like, something tangible come out of that. Yeah, I think that that's a very interesting perspective as someone who was born before 99 but not that much before it's like it that's always been like when I think of like the history of the women's national team that's what I think that's like that's what I think about I think about Brandy Chastain and that pose I actually had a poster of it growing up so it's very interesting to start seeing like these younger players who weren't weren't around when that happened like be effect like still like be affected by that event happening. Um, so looking forward to 2021, what can fans expect from the national team in 2021? So obviously we're getting an Olympic games, but what can people be looking forward to? Um, the main thing I think is competition, you know, going from a 23 person World Cup roster in 2019 to an 18 person 
Olympic roster, it's all about competition, and these players will be competing against each other. Some of them, you know, didn't play in the Fall Series or Challenge Cup. Some are trying to break on to the scene, like Sophia Smith and Rose, Le or not Rose Lavelle, um, Christy Mewis and Lynn Williams. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge competition between these players, and I am nervous and very excited to see who is on that 18 person roster because it will be very interesting. Yeah, I think that that's very interesting. Looking back at when it was supposed to be in 2020, everyone was expecting it to be the same, essentially the same roster that it was in 20 in the 2019 World Cup. And then now it's two, it's set of one year removed, it's two years removed. And a lot, a lot can change in one year, even more can change in two years. Um, exactly. I think that one thing that I want to touch on was the FIFA Best 11 awards with Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath. And just, I know one thing I, Tobin Heath, I thought had a fantastic year this year, but mm -hmm. Megan Rapino has not played since March. So it was a little surprising to see her on the roster. And I know that she made a statement about better access to women, women's football afterwards, but what, what are your thoughts on th those picks? Um, I was very surprised when I first heard. Um, I believe Tobin Heath had an amazing year. I saw one of her goals for Manchester United, I think, on the 20th of December. It was just a banger. It was so good. She's really coming to her own at Manchester United and doing amazing. I think that she for sure deserves this award. And it's interesting because the FIFA Pro World 11 is voted on by players. So these players are voting on who they think is the best in their game, which is very interesting that they chose Megan Rapinoe because she has not played since March. And something I really admire about Megan Rapinoe is that she is very humble and is always promoting the growth of the game and diversity of the game. And in her statement, she said that, you know, this is an amazing, I'm so honored to have this award, but it really shows that there is a lack of access to the women's game because I have not played since March and there's players that deserve, frankly, like deserve this award better than, or more than me. So um, it was surprising that it was voted on by players in my opinion. Um, that would be something, she'd be someone I think would be chosen by the fans. Um, but it's interesting. I think the growth of women's soccer has a lot and especially with access to it, I mean, honestly, there's no reason that when watch, when we want to watch um, our domestic league at home, we have to watch it on Twitch, you know? Mm -hmm. It should be on, like, CBS All Access or, you know, um, cable. And it's, it's really hard to get access to women's soccer, and that's something that I hope is going to improve. Mm -hmm. Now, I also wanted to talk to you about the women's – um, player of the year for the United States women's national team. And that was selected to be Sam Mewis. And we talked a little bit about her earlier with her sister, but what did you see out of Sam Mewis this year in like leading her up to winning this award? Yeah. Um, Sam Mewis just had an amazing year. She has really over the past couple of years, she has proven to be the key midfielder that um, the U S women's national team needs she is dominant in the air. She can score. 
she's had a good time over at Manchester City and I think she's, she's just um, a player that is going to be the key of this team moving forward and I'm really happy I think if I were to vote I I think I would have voted for Crystal Dunn just because I feel like she has been so underrated for so long and she's had a great year but also Sam Mewis deserves it it's this team is crazy full of talent and Sam Mewis to be able to be the best player of that has to say something. Yeah, I, I agree. I was struggling when I, when I saw the list of nominees between Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn, because I feel like Crystal Dunn has done it in the NWSL and has done it very, it has done it in different positions. And as we'll talk in a later episode, she's going to go do it now at Portland but I think there's something about having to, about Sam Mewis's move this year. And I mean, I, I'm not trying to underrate anything that Crystal Dunn's done, but just ha- having to move to a new country in the middle of the pandemic under those circumstances, I think helped push Sam Mewis and the success she's found abroad to get this nod. Yeah, I agree. Um... She deserves it. She's been great for the past couple of years. I'm really happy to see um, kind of a newer face of the national team. She really broke out after in like 2008, 2018, 2019 um, compared to, you know, the past couple of years, it's been a lot of the 2015ers. Mm-hmm. And it's really refreshing to see new faces and new faces getting high honors within the team. Yeah, I think that that just shows that there's often a question about, is it are we still just like relying on these like these like old players that have like done it as mm-hmm. opposed to looking to the future and I think that that's showing that like we still have more coming down the line yes I agree now as we wrap up this conversation I think that you can't have a conversation about 2020 and the U.S. Women's National Team without talking about the equal pay lawsuit so where is it at what what are your impressions about what's happening? Where is it going forward? Yeah, um, of course, uh, it's very interesting. Um, as someone who's interested in sports law, and this is just such a bizarre case that it is so obvious that there's um, gender-based pay discrimination, but it's taken this long to move forward with it is crazy to me. And as of December 22nd, the day we are filming this, the litigation has not moved forward. Um, But the new president, Cindy Cohn, has publicly stated that she is committed to taking the filing seriously. And she really wants to move forward to equal pay. And of course, there is a little bit of pressure because other um, international federations like Brazil have committed to the equal pay. And one of the tangible things that she's the president has done in kind of this negotiation is that she dropped the law firm. The Federation has dropped the law firm that filed the appeal based on the claim that men are stronger and faster and therefore deserve more money. So they dropped that law firm, which is good because that's just frankly sexist. Um, And so I have hope that she is going to be you know, true to her word, what she said publicly. However, it has, it's been a 20 year fight with the Federation that 
we can't assume what happens behind closed doors and until we get a final litigation and um, approval I think that it's still up in the air and you can only hope for the best yeah it's it's a definitely tricky situation and with Cindy Parlo Cohn I know that as a former player she's basically been on both sides of the argument and Mm -hmm. so it's just an interesting situation for her to be in and I think that it helps give her perspective on the women's side but I think there's also working pieces behind the scenes that we don't see that you and that won't come to light for years or even after like this case is resolved yeah of course Well, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on and giving me an update on the U.S. women's national team this year. Where can people find you and access your content? Yeah, of course. Um, You can find me on Twitter at AbigailGurkin22 for my mediocre reality TV takes and sport um, hot takes. (laughs) And for my writing, you can access... um, my NWSL and U.S. soccer updates on switchthepitch.com and under the tag Abigail Griffin. And yeah. Thank you so much, Abigail. Thank you, Logan. Thanks again to Abigail for joining me on the show. Make sure you check out her writing that will be linked in the show notes. Abigail will be back again next week to review 2020 for the NWSL. Thank you again for listening to the Number 10 Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Agan. Please make sure you like, rate, review, and share with your friends. Till next time.